Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam. Working our way into a Friday here on the Morning Jam. Our number is 866-916-3776. We're glad you're here with us on this Friday. Uh, Keep our number handy. Keep our text number handy. 434-248-0704. Here's our thought of the day off Friday. The golden child of the weekdays. The superhero of the work week. The welcome wagon to the weekend. You are all those things and so much more. And we welcome you today, Friday. Yes, we do. Uh, Here's your Mind Jam trivia. It's about dogs today or a specific dog that I'm wanting to to know about from you. Uh, This dog first bred in Scotland. It's known for having an amazing temperament, supposed to be easy to train, gets along well with other pets and people. It's also the heaviest shedding dog and is the most popular dog in California. What dog are we talking about? 434-248-0704 is our number. If you want to make a guess, I would like for you to do that on this Friday. And uh, we'll kind of get everything moving. Get your brain moving this morning a little bit. Decided to give uh, a layup today. Uh, Maybe. No, it's a layup. Okay. You said most popular dog. In California. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's the main dog in, in movies? That's all I gotta say. Okay. I mean, uh, well, I, I will. I will give you this as a clue. The designer dogs are crazy popular right now. I think it's so. You might be half right. I'll give you that. All right. Are you saying I have a golden opportunity? I'm saying you might have half of one. Okay. All right. Uh, that's our mind jam trivia today. And here is your Today in History. In 1876, Albert Spaulding invests $800 to start a sporting goods company, manufacturing the first official baseball, tennis ball, basketball, golf ball, and football. Wow. That was a good investment, I should say, as it's still going strong today. In uh, 1959, it was a sad day for the music world as it has been known as the day the music died. That song written about the loss of Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. They were all killed in a plane crash near Clear Lake, Iowa. And uh, it became known as The Day the Music Died and was, you know, went on to be a huge hit for Don McLean. Uh, in 1986, Pixar Animation Studios, Toy Story, and The Incredibles is spun off from Lucasfilms, an independent film production company. It got the backing of Steve Jobs. And then we got things like Toy Story and The Incredibles, all of which I enjoy. Uh, In 1993, not a bright and shiny day in American history, the federal trial of four police officers charged with civil rights violations and videotapes beatings of Rodney King begins in Los Angeles, California. The damage done 
after the 92 riots killed 63 people, caused over a billion dollars in damages. And we have still learned absolutely nothing because the headlines are riddled with similar activity. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Actress Blythe Danner is having a birthday today. She is turning 80 years old. She's Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. And uh, actress Morgan Fairchild turned 72, the ever-popular cougar in all of your sitcoms. May I ask you a personal question? Sure. How old are you? I just turned 40. Ah, you're a baby. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, she, you know, played... Chandler's mom in Friends as well. Uh, actor Nathan Lane is having a birthday today, turning 67 years old. Here he is in the birdcage. I'm this short, fat, insecure, middle-aged thing. I made you short? <laughs> of course, he's also been in a lot of uh, cartoons. and. I was going to say, you didn't pick The Lion King? I didn't pick The Lion King. No, I picked Birdcage. I think I did Lion King last year. Uh, guitarist Dave Davies of the Kinks is having a birthday today. He is turning 76 years old. And another singer having a birthday today is Melanie. Of course, a lot of people know her for that horrible song, uh, Roller Skate. I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. I wish she had released this song first. Maybe she wouldn't forever be tied to that other one. She actually released that one second. Wish she had done that first. And maybe history would be a little different. Or maybe not. The other one was so kitschy. Maybe it would have still been that way. Uh, Our Mind Jam trivia is a layup, according to um, Trey. It's about a dog. Dog was first bred in Scotland, heaviest of shedding dogs. Uh, It's supposed to be easy to train, gets along well with pets and people, and is the most popular dog currently in California. That's your Mind Jam trivia today. So if you have a uh, weigh-in on that, 866 916 3776 is the uh, is the numbers that you can call and uh, join us. A little bit later on this morning, uh, we're going to be welcoming in studio at 8 o'clock, the former sheriff of Amherst County, Jimmy Ayers, is going to come in. Uh, he is very upset about what he is saying was a serious injustice is done in a murder and malicious wounding case. That took place in Amherst in 2019. I remember this very well uh, when this happened. And uh, he's making some pretty serious accusations against the current sheriff's office and against the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. And we're going to hear directly from uh, sheriff, former Sheriff Ayers uh, about his concerns, his concerns about these departments, his concerns about the safety of Amherst County. So we'll have that coming up. Uh, later on in the show, about 8 o'clock, he'll be coming in studio to join us. Uh, some other headlines that are going to be covered here. Uh, Kimberly McBroom is going to be talking about this. We have a 25-year-old who is dead following an officer-involved shooting in Lynchburg. Um, so she's going to be covering a lot of that story. This took place around 930 
last night. And um, so another officer involved shooting there. Also, a 19-year-old has pled guilty to trying to kill an Appomattox County high school student. Uh, Olivia Hurt pled guilty yesterday on conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, eluding police, possession of a firearm on school property, and communicating threats in writing. And this is after the sheriff's office said she attempted to murder a student at the high school in March of last year. Uh, Students at the school approached their SRO with alarming social media posts. That led them to a suspicious car in the parking lot. Deputies said Hurt and a 20-year-old were in a vehicle. Hurt refused to talk with deputies and drove off through town, eastbound down 460, and took police on a 20-mile chase. And um, they were able to uh, apprehend. She was initially charged with four felonies, two misdemeanors, including threatening someone on school grounds and possession of a firearm on school property. Thankfully, you know, the kids did see something, say something early enough, and they took the proper action, which is good because we're seeing in a lot of places where that's not necessarily the case. And we'll have some of those stories coming up a little bit later on this morning. We'll have our answer to our Mind Jam trivia coming up in just a little bit. We'll also have some Friday funnies to try to lighten things up on this Friday here on The Morning Jam. Thanks for joining us. Hungry for some truth with a side of common sense? You want answers? Then you found the right choice. We are the Morning Jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. Welcome to the Morning Jam. It is Friday, Little America and Sister Golden Hair. That's a a clue for our Mind Jam trivia. It's about a dog. Well, can you say Golden Doodle? Can you? Golden Doodle. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Uh, The dog first bred in Scotland is known for having an amazing temperament. Supposed to be easy to train. Gets along well with people and pets. Also, the heaviest shedding dog and the most popular dog in California. It is the Golden Retriever. Yeah. Yeah, the Golden Retriever. Most popular dog in California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. The dog I had as a kid. Well, I had a Golden Retriever chow mix. I had a Golden. His His name name was was Buzz. I said Buzz Lightyear, but it was Buzz. Okay, because they always get shortened and then you call other things. Because I, well, it's ironic. It's a a cool, so Buzz showed up to my parents' friend's house Christmas Eve. Wow. 1996. So my mom, I was in my mom's belly. Oh, all right. So literally you and Buzz grew up together. Yeah, so. um, That's kind of cool. So like Christmas, and my dad wanted him, and my mom was like, I don't know, I don't you know, know. she's We've pregnant. Got a baby coming. She was pregnant, and then they decided they're like, give it a day, and they waited a day, and they're like, all right, let's do it, and they got Buzz. I don't think they named him after Buzz Lightyear. I just 
because I love Toy Story, was like, oh, Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. So what did they name him? Buzz. His name oh, was his name Buzz. Was Buzz. But uh, you I don't think they. It. I don't think they named him after Buzz Lightyear. Got it. Got it. I see. Um, I had a golden retriever growing up. Her name was Farah. I will say she had the shedding part down. Oh, we- she was sweet. She was very, very sweet. I would not say she was the most trainable dog I've ever had. Yeah, she would steal things. She stole an entire gallon of milk from a neighbor and carried it home. She stole an entire bag of Pampers. You you could teach her to steal eggs. I yeah, really that could come in handy actually right now. Buzz was a good dog. Buzz, yeah, and they are a good dog. Farrah was a good dog. She was just you know not not always. The they would shave him brightest in the summer. Uh huh. And so like you just had the mane. So like. So it looked like a lion. <laughs> See, I think that's super funny when they do that. I kind of love that. It is uh, National Golden Retriever Day today. It's also Work Naked Day, which I don't recommend. So don't do that because it's not sanitary and it's just kind of yucky. Feels like that's a 2020 holiday. Like that's a holiday that happened, like started in like 2020. I don't know. I don't know when it started, but I know when I'd like to stop it and that would be now. So let's do that. Uh, China is responding and saying that they're launching an investigation into a suspected spy balloon flying over the U.S. They have announced that they're looking into reports that it was discovered flying in U.S. airspace over Montana. You would think that would be something they would know about. Uh, This was their statement. China is a responsible country and has always strictly abided by international laws. And China has no intention of violating the territory and airspace of any sovereign countries, said the foreign ministry spokesperson. Plus, they don't have to do that because they're buying up all the farmland right next to, like, our military bases. So why do they need to fly spy balloons? I mean, come on. We've got a lot bigger problems out there, people. Uh, She urged U.S. officials and China authorities to proceed calmly and carefully. She said, as for the balloon, as I mentioned just now, we're looking into and verifying the situation and hope that both sides can handle this together calmly and carefully. And she's asking that judgment be withheld before we have clear understanding of the facts. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was scheduled to visit China today, uh, becoming the highest ranking official to visit the country since the start of the COVID pandemic. And of course, there's been a lot of tensions rising between Beijing and Washington. We've got the trade stuff going on, the Taiwan, the human rights issues, the territorial claims in the South China Sea. There is a lot going on there. And the fact that Biden's in charge, which is just kind of terrifying. But anyway, we're going to try to not focus on that this morning because it's just a little overwhelming to think of it like that. A uh, very strange story out of Las Vegas where parents still do not have answers a week after a gastrointestinal illness broke out with more than 100 children at an elementary school in Las Vegas. They literally, the, the children were so sick, they literally had to line them up outside as they were getting sick. That's how bad it was. One teacher described it as Armageddon. It it felt like Armageddon outside of 
Wayne Tanaka Elementary School. According to the report, parents said students were offered trash cans. Um, Our daughter said there were trash cans lined up, kids sick everywhere, a mother of one student said. Another mother who wouldn't be identified told the outlet her daughter was unwell all night. She kept her home Friday. She was throwing up five or six times overnight. They think it was contaminated cafeteria food. That is serious contamination. If you've got 100 kids that are that sick for that long, the school district notified parents that they're investigating the incident, but they failed to provide any additional details. The Nevada Health District is investigating the cause of the illnesses reported by several of the students. We're currently working with Clark County School District Health Services, implementing measures to further uh, to prevent further illnesses. So here's the thing. Was it from food? Is it something environmental? Should they still be going to the school? I don't know that I would be letting my kid go in there after this. Um, The email said gastrointestinal viruses are common. They easily spread from person to person. Regular and appropriate hand washing is one of the most effective prevention methods. I don't think that's what this was. Says people who are ill or caring for someone is ill should wash their hands carefully uh, before, during, and after preparing food. Sick, sick people should not prepare food or care for others. Nearly a week after the incident, the school has not notified parents of what caused it. And one mother said, I don't know if they have all the information as to what happened, but it would be nice to have more consistent updates. At the end of the day, we don't know what's going on. We don't know how to help them. And if the kids are a priority, we need to know what's going on so we can help our children. Yeah, that's not a great story. So we've got this story at an elementary school in Nevada. Then we have this story out of Miami-Dade where a video on a school bus where not one but two adults are present. You've got a bus driver and you have a an aide on the bus. There is a video of two students viciously, and I mean viciously, beating a nine-year-old student on a Florida school bus. Little girl. These are two boys beating down a little girl. It is very disturbing. No students try to stop it. No adults try to stop it. The second child seems like just wanted to get in on the fun. It seems like the first child was the one that that started everything, considerably larger than this young girl. Uh, The heartbroken mother of the third grader says she is pressing charges and pursuing criminal charges. And she confirmed that at least two adults were on the bus, a bus driver and an aide. She says they have way too many ages on the bus. It's overfilled and it's very crazy. I mean, I had anxiety just listening to the audio before anything else started. There's just angry, angry children yelling and screaming at each other. And the bus driver and the bus day sit in the front of the bus. Because we all know that's where all the trouble happens, is in the front of the bus. She says it's not the first time she's been alerted to her children being victims of bullying. They've had issues before on the bus, also in the cafeteria, and at dismissal. Um... She says she had a message for the parents 
She said, uh, we have to talk to our kids. I don't want to incriminate other other kids, but I'm very disappointed and upset that kids are taking matters in their own hands with violence. It's starting from somewhere. Parents need to do more and pay more attention to their children that are causing these violent acts. And I can tell you something else. If you're going to rely on your, your yourself and your kids to make the right choice, if you're not, you know, taking them to church, teaching them biblical principles, and I know not everybody agrees with me on that, but I'm telling you, if you're trying to, to do it yourself without any guidance, it, it, I can't imagine being a parent and raising kids without having Christ in the home. I just can't imagine it. And we're seeing this absolutely everywhere. And these are little kids doing this stuff. It's crazy to me. Kimberly McBroom is on the way. She's going to have your headlines for you. We'll have your weather forecast and some Friday funnies. I promise I won't I won't have any more downers, at least for a little while. I mean, I got to bring you the headlines, guys. What can I say? 866-916-3776. That's our toll-free number. And we would love for you to join us in the conversation this morning on The Morning Jam. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts, turning mostly sunny, blustery, and cold. Temperatures fall through the day. We'll get those lows at 17 tonight with breezy conditions. Sunshine to start the weekend Saturday with a high of 38. Overnight lows at 27 and partly cloudy skies Saturday night. By Sunday, we'll have a mix of clouds and sunshine. It will be warmer, though. High temperatures top out in the low to mid-50s. Currently 32 degrees in Lynchburg, 32 in Bedford, 31 in Roanoke and Salem, 34 in Danville, 33 in Amherst, and 33 in Appomattox. So I'm married, I have a wife, I have a spouse, she's a woman, she's a rescue. I don't like that word, wife. Gives me the willies. So I introduced her as my ex-girlfriend. Pretty much the same thing. You married men might want to try that at home. Especially if you're tired of living at home. I don't know that we need to be taking advice from him. <laughs> Probably not. Well, the next line is he celebrated 32 years of marriage, so it well, must be working. Well, he's doing something right. She must appreciate his, his sense of humor. And that could be it. Um, hey, don't forget, coming up at 8 o'clock, we have a very special interview with uh, former sheriff of Amherst County, Jimmy Ayers. He's going to be uh, joining us. He is very concerned about a uh, situation that occurred in 2019. He's making some pretty serious allegations against the sheriff's office, the current sheriff's office, and the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. So we're going to talk to him about uh, that story coming up here in uh, just a little bit, 8 o'clock. He's going to be joining us. You won't want to miss that. Is tipping getting out of control? 
Many consumers say absolutely it is. This is a story out of uh, AP. And across the country, they're saying there is a silent frustration, which is becoming less silent as we go along, brewing about an age-old practice that many say is getting out of hand, and that is tipping. What are your thoughts on tipping? 866-916-3776. Some fed-up consumers are posting out-and-out rants on social media complaining about tip requests that are in places that they've never been before. Places like drive throughs Others are saying they're tired of being asked to leave a gratuity for a muffin or a simple cup of coffee at their neighborhood bakery. What's next, they wonder. Are we going to be tipping our doctors and dentists too? As more businesses adopt digital payment methods, customers are automatically being prompted to leave a gratuity. Many times it's as high as 30% at places they normally wouldn't be. And some say it's become more frustrating as the prices of items have skyrocketed due to inflation, which eased to 6.5% in December. Really? Did it ease? Hmm, I'm not so sure about that. It says suddenly these screens are at every establishment we encounter. And I will tell you, I had um, I had a person do a logo for me for this show that we're doing up in, in Amherst. And uh, there's a app called Fiverr that you can go and, and there are a lot of graphic artists on there and you can pick one and they'll do work for you. And they, you know, you negotiate your price. They put that out there and they get paid, you know, pretty well. And then at the end of it, they're like, it's customary to give a tip and this is how much the tip normally is. And this, And I'm like, What's the point of negotiating a price if you're just going to ask for more money at the end of the... But they, but they do it, and they do it every time. I've used them a couple of times, and that's something that they do. Um, they say they're popping up online for online orders, and there doesn't seem to be any end to it. An etiquette expert, Thomas Farley, considers the whole thing somewhat of an invasion. Unlike tip jars that shoppers could easily ignore if they don't have spare change, experts say the digital request produces social pressure and are more difficult to bypass. And your generosity, or lack thereof, can be laid bare for anyone close enough to glance at a screen, including the workers themselves. Dylan Schneckner is one of them. The 38-year-old earns about $400 a month in tips which provides a helpful supplement to his 15-hour wage. 15, you're getting paid $15 an, an hour, and then you're also wanting tips. Let me tell you something. When I was getting tips, when I was waiting tables, I wasn't making 15 freaking bucks an hour. I can tell you that right now. It was more like 2 bucks an hour that you were making. See, that's crazy. If he's getting paid $15 an hour, most of the tips are coming from consumers who order coffee drinks or interact with the cafe for other things like carryout orders. He says the gratuity helps him cover his monthly rent, eases some of his burdens while he attends graduate school, and juggles his job. He says it's hard to sympathize with consumers who are able to afford pricey coffee drinks but complain about tipping. What? 
He says he feels demoralized when people don't leave behind anything extra, especially if they're regulars. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about this. They do it in the Starbucks drive-thru. They ask like, for a tip? It's like, no, they, they get creative about it. It's like, there's a question on the screen. They get creative about it? They just say, there's a question on the screen before you pay. Uh-huh. And it's like, they stare at you and you're like, so sometimes I've left it and it's like, I'll do like one or two dollars. Or sometimes I don't. Depends on if I feel why a little would you? Why would you pay two dollars for a tip on a four dollar cup of coffee? That's like a 50% tip. That's ridiculous. It is. And and so why do you do it? Do you do it because you feel like they deserve it? Or you do you feel a social pressure? Social pressure, yeah. Social pressure. It's 100% a social pressure. It says, um, tipping is about making sure people who are performing that service for you are getting paid what they're owed. That's according to Schechner, who has been working in the service industry for roughly 18 years. Tipping does mean to imper- uh, to ensure proper service. That's right. But I have to tell you, with some of the attitude that coffee cups get delivered and the, the amount of wrong orders that are out there, you're lucky if you get your 15-hour pay. Because lots of times, they're not right. And if it's to ensure proper service, then you're in trouble, buddy. Since traditionally, consumers have taken pride in being good tippers at places like restaurants, which typically pay their workers lower than the minimum wage. Thank you. In expectation that they'll make up the difference in tips. That's how it has always worked. Academics who study the topic say many consumers are now feeling irritated by automatic tip requests at coffee shops and other counter service eateries, where tipping has not typically been expected. Workers make at least the minimum wage, and the service is pretty limited as far as what they're required to do. I mean, I've been to restaurants where you literally walk up to the register, you order your food, you take your food to your table, and then they have a place for you to leave a tip. I don't think so. I did all the work for you. We've got a caller on the line. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Well, Janet, it's Todd. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Are you upset because hey, I didn't tip I, you yesterday? Yeah, we didn't get a tip from Janet yesterday, but that's okay oh, because you know, <laughs> I know. But I was going to call in about tipping. This is how my wife and I tip. Okay. Okay. If we have good service, good attitude, everybody treats us nice. At the restaurant, right? We leave a tip, mm-hmm. and usually it's it's more than. 20 percent right okay yep because but let me tell you if you're not nice to me Mm -hmm. because i strive in my business to make sure that we treat our people right that that are working for us plus that shop with us sure so i think part of the reason that we're at this where we are today is these employees seem so entitled that you know you owe it to me well no we don't owe it to you so you know, you best treat your customer correct or they won't be back. Because sooner or later, if I go somewhere and they treat me like, hey, you owe it to me, I'm not going back. Okay? Right. So the owner better pick it, better figure that out too. Okay? 
because that it will come back around to haunt you. And then you've got these places so, that are automatically putting the tips on in addition to, and they don't really say anything about it. So if you're not paying attention, you're tipping on top of your tipping. And, you know, I think there is a legality issue there because it's like adding for credit card charges. There's supposed to be something posted prior to you receiving your bill telling you that there will be added to your tip, added to your bill. Right. So there is a legal, there is a legal situation there that some of these businesses probably are bypassing that someone's going to finally catch them. And well, say, they're hey, getting called we're, out we're, on it now. Yeah, because you're, if you don't have it posted, you're, you're legally not supposed to do that to someone. Right. So right. if it doesn't say seven or more, we charge 15% or whatever, you'll see that on some menus. Mm-hmm. But if it's just straight out put on your tab, if it's not already on that menu somewhere stated that or posted in that location, I don't think you legally can do that. Now, I may be wrong, but I think I'm correct on that. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in this morning. I appreciate it. Um, right, we're getting all you. kinds of text in on this one. Um, let's see. Uh, I stopped by Starbucks yesterday because my boss was with me and asked if I would stop. They absolutely asked for tips before you even pay. I did not tip, but my boss did. I would say I would tip a Chick-fil-A because they're so polite and friendly. <laughs> all right. Um, uh. Yes, Todd, if the service is great and they're friendly and polite and do a good job, we tip very well as well. Uh, someone said, we just raised the minimum wage from 12 to $15. That's a $3 tip from everybody right now. Um, you're slinging food. It's not like you're an engineer. <laughs> wow. All righty. Um, and then they listed a restaurant. I won't give the name of the restaurant. Um but they say this particular restaurant automatically adds tips to every single bill. I refuse to eat there anymore. So that's just what he was saying, that they're going to be losing business in the end because people don't appreciate being told that's what you have to do when, in fact, it is supposed to be there in place to ensure proper service and to motivate that employee to do a really good job. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on The Morning Jam. Give her five minutes and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Well, if you're looking for an amazing dinner idea, check out my Janet's Five and Dine on Facebook. It's brought to you by F&L Market. They're at 2517 Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg. If you love crab cakes, but they're too expensive to make and they are expensive to make, I want you to try this recipe. This is for a chicken cake with a romalade sauce, and it will trick your brain, let me tell you. You're gonna start by uh, getting your pan out, heating a couple tablespoons of olive oil. You're gonna add in some diced peppers and green onions, season them with salt and pepper, and you're just gonna saute them down. Then you're gonna add in some minced garlic, cook that for about a minute, then remove it from the heat. Then in a mixing bowl, you're gonna add about three cups of cooked chicken. You can also use canned chicken for this, but I use cooked chicken, along with some lemon juice, Dijon, mayonnaise, garlic, some tarragon, chopped parsley, and a little bit of Old Bay seasoning and some panko breadcrumbs. Then you're going to toss everything together until it's well blended. You're going to uh, roll them in a beaten egg, then in your panko crumbs, 
and you're going to you know get them to the desired thickness that you want and chill them for about 30 minutes after that you're going to fry them up in batches they're going to look just like a crab cake and then i've even got a recipe for a romalade sauce that you can make to go with that absolutely delicious if you want to see this recipe and many others look up janet's five and don on facebook and join the group to see each weekday entry brought to you by fnl market where their meats are a cut above morning jam with janet on the virginia talk radio network get there at exactly the same time as this woman it was a tie dead tie dead heat and uh, she says uh, she, she was this lady she was a hundred percent native american i know this because she was wearing a sweatshirt that said i am 100 percent native american <laughs> so we get there at the same time and she says oh go ahead i said oh no no go ahead she says oh no no you were here first i said oh no you were here first she says are we still talking about the same thing <laughs> Oh, Lord. (laughs) Well, sometimes things go that way, don't they? Uh, We've got an update on a story uh, about some uh, employees at Goodyear in Danville. We've talked about this story for a a little while now. Uh, Some of those employees have been battling with the VEC for quite a while. Uh, One employee in particular was let go in April of 2021. And they, Deborah Avery said the VEC turned down her application for unemployment benefits a month later. And she appealed with the help of attorney Philip Baker. Almost a year later, she finally got her appeal hearing with the VEC. Avery says she's called and sent letters asking when she would see her benefits. Her attorney also called and sent letters to the VEC in August, September, October, November, asking when Avery would get her money. Avery said, "Um, we did an appeal. We won the appeal. And as of today, I still have not received any money for unemployment. Both said that no one contacted them back. During uh, an initial interview, she called the VEC appeals number to show the local ABC affiliate what she's been experiencing and wasn't even able to leave a message. The mailbox was full. Baker said Avery is one of six clients fighting the VEC on varying issues. He said dealing with the agency is frustrating and he's been reaching out to say if you're interested in helping Deborah and some of the others address a problem that doesn't seem to be able to be fixed. During the former Governor Ralph Northam's administration, an audit uncovered that VEC issued more than a billion dollars in incorrect payments and ran into a backlog due to antiquated computer systems. Now, we know that that was something that this current administration inherited and started working on straight away. Doesn't look like they're getting very far, though. Uh, The audit found thousands of people never got a response or the money they owed. So they gave money to people who should not have gotten it, and the people who are supposed to get it aren't getting it. When Governor Yunkin took office in 2022, he gave... $12.5 
$20 million to the VEC to hire 300 new employees and make immediate technology upgrades. During his recent State of the Commonwealth address, he said the agency worked through 900,000 backlog claims. Avery said, I disagree. Which VEC is he talking about? The local ABC affiliate contacted the Employment Commission about the case. They declined an on-camera interview, but there were some questions answered via email. It says, first of all, you need to understand that the backlog of claims is different than a backlog of appeals. The VEC resolved 78,333 appeals since January of 22. They currently have another 94,850 backlogged appeals. They're saying the appeals remain in an area of focus. They also said they're streamlining the process. And they say usually when an appeal is granted, most claims go straight to pay. When asked why that isn't happening in Avery's case, they said there was an issue when converting data between the old and new system that blocked her payment. Right after the interview, the VEC deposited two payments into her account. <laughs> hmm, interesting. They were able to get that fixed real quick there. She says she's thankful to finally get the money, but concerned it took seven months to get it. I'm upset for them to do this to people. We work. You aren't giving us anything. We work, and it's money that's owed to us. Not to mention the fact, what can that do to you financially if it takes seven months to start? I mean, you could lose your home. You could lose your car. You could not be able to feed your family. Um, that's a problem. And I know this is, a, this is something that's going to take time to fix, but my goodness. Lawmakers have introduced a bill um, that would reduce the amount of time you could file an appeal from 30 days to 15. The VEC commissioner said it was a way to improve customer service. Opponents argued shortening that appeals period would make it harder for employers and claimants to challenge bad decisions. I agree with that. Especially, you know, how are you communicating with people? Because evidently you don't even empty your um, your mailbox. So it seems like communication might be a problem there. That is, that's a mess. But I am glad that, you know, she finally got some of her, her money. And also, who is paying the lawyer's fees? Who's responsible for paying that? I mean, you already don't have a job and now you got to pay for a lawyer to get the money that's that's owed you? That's... Gotta love the government. You just gotta love it. Coming up at the top of the hour, we've got your updates with CBS News. We also have Bill Trefero. He'll be coming to us from the Roanoke News Desk. And then immediately after that, we're going to be talking with former Amherst Sheriff's, um, former Amherst Sheriff, Jimmy Ayers. He's going to join us to talk about some concerns he has for the safety and welfare of the people in Amherst County under the current administration of the Sheriff's Office and the Commonwealth's Attorney's Office. So you don't want to miss that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour here on The Morning Jam.
currently 32 degrees in Lynchburg, 31 in Bedford, in Roanoke, and in Salem, 34 in Danville, 32 in Amherst, and 33 in Appomattox. And who knows, maybe the sun is going to shine in our backyard today because I could use it. Well, we are welcoming into the studio this morning former Amherst County Sheriff Jimmy Ayers to the show. And good morning and welcome. Good morning, Janet. It's Thank been a while me. since we've... Uh, since we've talked yes it has but uh, i wish it was under better circumstances but i do as well it this is it is what it is isn't it yes ma'am so uh i know you because i live and have lived in amherst county for decades Yes, ma'am. and um love amherst county but you have some mighty big concerns about the welfare of amherst county based on some some things that have occurred recently and the way some very serious incidents have been handled. Let's talk about uh, this incident that took place uh, on June 25th of 2019. I remember so well when this story occurred. For the people who aren't familiar with it, could you give them a little bit of the background about that incident in 2019? Yes, ma'am. This incident occurred in the Bob White community of a county, which is um, a little bit uh, north of, of Madison Heights, and um, it was the, uh, I say, violent uh, killing of a 92-year-old lady while she was in the confines and safety of her home. And, uh, and was malicious, asleep, as I recall. That is correct. Yeah. And uh, the malicious wounding of her daughter, uh, Trudy Getz. Um, it, uh, it was a tragic um, event, and, uh, you know, it... Uh, stirred the entire community and especially those folks that lived in that area because these folks are fine people um well they are they do have a reputation of being good and godly people Uh, they were minding their own business Uh, trudy was was reading watching television Uh, her 92 year old mother uh, mrs paleo was asleep for the night and basically you have this young man how I don't how old was he was he? eighteen at the time of the offense. Eighteen, mm-hmm. um, who stood outside and fired a hand, handgun through the window, and killed Miss Paleo. Uh, that is correct. Immediately, yeah. And uh, and then he also shot Trudy. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, all right. So what transpired after that? I mean, did we ever know what the motivation was with that? Or to my knowledge, no, ma'am. Um, Just because a there reckless was no random knowledge, kill, uh, killing. The uh, victims did not know the alleged suspect. Um, no so robbery. No, no entry into the home. Everything was done under the cover of darkness from outside. And, um, you know, there was really never any motive uh, established as to why this may have taken place. Just evil. Exactly. Okay. Just evil. All right. So in the following weeks, um, search warrants were, were put out. Uh, this young man was identified, and uh, a murder weapon was recovered. Correct. Okay. And uh, ballistics confirmed that the gun recovered was the gun who killed Miss Paleo and wounded Miss Getz. That is my understanding, yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, so, fast forward to, you know, 2020 i guess or 21 um they are saying that there was that something happened with the evidence 
in the handling that, of the evidence? That is correct. Approximately, I think, uh, two, two and a half years after the alleged offender had been incarcerated and remanded to jail. Um, obviously, there was a need for this case to move forward and, and be uh, before the courts. Mm-hmm. Um, and To make sure that this senseless, evil killing doesn't happen again. Absolutely. And apparently, at this time, um, keep in mind, we're two, two and a half years um post the offense um, and in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> correct and right. they were uh seemed to then be trying to put facts together with the case to move forward with it and um it was determined at that time they could not uh figure out who had removed the weapon from the thacker lane address of where the search warrant had been executed so then you've got a problem with the chain of evidence that is correct there and that is where the uh, custody um, of the murder weapon and the chain of evidence of that weapon uh, was compromised. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the sheriff's office isn't that big of a department. No, ma'am. Um, so, I mean, you, you've got a pretty, a, a relatively small group of people that you could bring together and say, okay, let's take a look at exactly what happened here. Not to mention the fact that I would say this arguably was the biggest crime in Amherst County in 2019, or at least to my mind, it was. I would say so. Um, you know, in this one, you know, I had several throughout my career that, you know, involved Sadly, senior yeah. citizens mm-hmm. and folks that, you know, somewhat similar to this case, they were felt they were safe and secure in the confines of the home. And, you know, obviously they were violated and, uh, murdered and brutally beaten and um you know this was the same uh, particular way but to reach a point of two and two to two and a half years later and then trying to scramble to pull facts of a case together and evidence to make sure you're prepared to uh, move forward with the case and then discover that there's problems with the uh, chain of custody on a key piece of evidence not a piece of evidence but obviously the key piece of evidence but, I mean, good heavens, if you watch Dateline, you know that there's a responsibility. I'm a little bit of a true crime nerd, but but it, I'm being very serious. Absolutely. You know how crucial that is. And for for people to be able to tell me that there's not one officer that can stand up and say, yes, I was there, I you know, I, or I know who did, nobody's saying anything? That is my understanding. And if... You look at the search warrant that was executed that particular day that that weapon was recovered. There is a signature of an officer on that, uh, an officer who obtained it, an officer who executed it, an officer who uh, signed off on the inventory, which the inventory is any evidence that is removed um, from or under the jurisdiction of that particular search warrant. And um, then, so does that not to, imply that he has taken responsibility? That's the question that I would have is if an in, an officer has signed off on that, and then the next day attests before uh, the circle clerk that or her deputy that that was the only piece of evidence removed from from that um, residence, um, I would feel very strongly that particular officer should have knowledge of how that gun was retrieved and taken from that residence but for whatever reasons that question can't be answered so you just got a bunch of people pointing fingers at each other apparently and, so yes and, ma'am 
and you've um, got a family and a community that's left and uh i reckon expect it to accept this is done properly you know we talk all the time on this show about how emboldened evil is right now in our country when you have situations like this this emboldens evil and people who would do us harm absolutely and you know the tragic part to this in any case that is not prosecuting you know you're gonna you're not gonna win them all but as, of course not. As law enforcement officers, Commonwealth attorneys, uh, forensic labs, everyone does their best to put a case together as solid as it can. And there are times that something falls through the cracks and they, uh, you know, the uh, guilt that's wanted is not found and an individual is found to be innocent. Um, you know, that happens. But, you know, in a case like this, um, when you know, this case should have moved forward, one, in a much more timely manner, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, I consider it. And then, two, when it's just uh, blatant disregard or, or lack thereof of, of accountability, um, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's wrong. And when things like this happen and these alleged offenders are released back into the community, then the likelihood of them reoffending is extremely high. And in this particular case, the truth is in the pudding. He is currently incarcerated in New Hampshire for a violent crime against uh, an elderly uh, person. Uh, it just or, elder, yeah, or a person, a, a, a female. And okay. um, you know, so there again, you know, there's another victim. Um, you All know, right, we're gonna we're gonna go to break, and we're gonna come back, and and we're gonna talk about uh, not only that issue, but also. Uh, some some things that are set up in Amherst County that I, I really wasn't aware of, and I'm not sure that it's set up in a way that is going to be super effective at getting to truth always. We'll, we'll come back uh, after this break. You're listening to The Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose having a conversation with former Amherst Sheriff Jimmy Ayers talking about a tragedy that occurred in Amherst in June of 2019, where a 92-year-old woman was murdered and her daughter was uh, injured and the kid got off scot-free. We'll have more on that coming up. We are the Morning Jam. The definition of the word jam. To pack something tightly. A machine seizing or becoming stuck. A sweet preserve made from fruit. A common sense radio talk show. The Morning Jam. We are having a conversation with former Amherst Sheriff Jimmy Ayers about a, a very alarming situation. Uh, the Well, the tragedy happened in 2019 when a 92-year-old woman was shot in her sleep and her daughter, uh, Trudy Getz, was uh, maliciously wounded by an 18-year-old who just shot them through a window. Didn't rob them or anything, just pure pure evil pure random act of of violence and uh is now scot-free because of the mishandling of evidence in the case now there are some matters of public record where uh an investigator and i guess we can say the investigator's name i mean it's a matter of public record right officer reynolds yes officer reynolds um Uh, executed the search warrant, swore under oath to the circuit court clerk that this was the only item recovered 
from the search. So if we have that kind of documentation, why on earth was this guy let go and free to offend again in New Hampshire? That's, How does this happen? That's a question I would have to ask my, I have asked myself many times, Janet, that, um, you know, I, I wish I had an answer for you, and I don't. Um, you know, the accountability of, of every piece of evidence is, is priority in any particular case, um, but especially in this case where the key piece of evidence um, has been, the integrity of it has been jeopardized through the, the uh, uh, breach of the chain of custody is just uh, it's a question that I and everyone should have. And um, So it seems to me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll take it as my, this is my observation. It seems that there has been an extreme level of incompetence in the handling here. There's some reason why all of a sudden you're taking an oath saying that you that you recovered an item and then all of a sudden you're not willing to take responsibility for covering the item. I can only assume that's because you don't have the backup to to prove that you did what you were supposed to do. That's that's my take on it. For whatever reason, you know, that's as I said, that would be a question that I have and we as an entire community should have if, you know, based on the public document of the search warrant and its uh, execution and it's signed off on as far as the inventory, as far as um, it being attested to in the circuit court clerk's office, then why cannot that weapon be, um, you know, why was it breached? Um, so let me ask you this. Is, is this officer still employed? To my knowledge, yes, ma'am. Okay, um, and no disciplinary, nothing like that is uh, taking place? Nothing or? that I, I okay. know of, nothing. Okay, all right. So wh- why, it, it feel, I feel like they're protecting each other is what it feels like. I can't say. I do not know, Janet. I have no idea. I mean, so all right, here's something that I didn't, I didn't know. Um, first of all, if everybody screws up, okay, Absolutely. everybody makes We're mistakes. Human beings. That's Absolutely. right. So why wouldn't you come forth in light of the fact that you know this family is hurting? You know this is a huge story in the community. You know people don't feel safe. You know this is a huge fail for the department. I don't care. That's 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 black and white. This was a failure to to do the right thing to put this guy behind bars and protect the public from this murderer okay that's that's what i'm saying um why wouldn't you come out and say we acknowledge this this is what we're doing to fix it this why why wouldn't you do that why isn't anybody being held accountable for this and again that's a question that i have and you are correct we as human beings we as police officers and most any other professions as human beings where we'll we will make mistakes but uh, you know, when state mistakes are recognized, uh, folks need to be held accountable for making those mistakes. And, you know, I can't speak to this, whether anyone's been held accountable. All I can say is, is uh, this family and our community, um, no one has been accountable to us. For so why this who would hold these people accountable? The Commonwealth Attorney's Office? I can say during my tenure, if I or 
one of my men or women had made a mistake like this. The three Commonwealth attorneys that I had the pleasure to work with through my my tenure, uh, I can tell you one thing. They would have held me and anyone else involved in it accountable. All right. So in looking into this, though, this is where I think it gets a little murky in Amherst. So you've got the, the current sheriff and the Commonwealth attorney are father and son-in-law. Do I have that right? They are related by marriage. That is correct. Okay. And the sheriff's office administrative captain that we talked about, Reynolds, and the deputy Commonwealth attorney are husband and wife. Do I have that right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, am I the only one that sees a problem with this? Um, That's not... How how are you supposed to be able to be transparent? How are you supposed to have checks and balances within your department when you've got that kind of incestuous setup? To Maybe me, incestuous was, isn't the right word. Maybe nepotism. I don't know what the word is, but you know what I'm saying. To me, it would be accountability. Mm. You know, we as a police officer, we are accountability to the mankind and to our communities to do the right thing to the best of our abilities. And when we do not, there should be those folks in positions that hold us accountable for that. But we know, um, again, as human beings, when you've got um, family ties and relationships, whatever, in administrative roles or in that ring of accountability, it can impede the accountability and, um, you know, that's a question I, I have asked. Are these relationships uh, impeding the accountability in this case? So what as citizens can we do about this? I mean, uh, what 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 is the answer other than apply pressure and demand answers from this department? And why is an investigation going on exactly. with this? You know, and I've said, and I've said it in my Facebook post, and, you know, uh, and I think the Commonwealth attorney has made some comments about his integrity. Well, to me, integrity is that you realize there's a problem in this case. And, and you're a man or woman enough and to say, say you're a man or woman enough to say there's issues and I'm going to relinquish this case and, and all of its evidence and every aspect uh, to an outside agency to review it. And because um, they're a clearly too close to the situation. I mean, correct. The uh, ca- that case, obviously. It was jeopardized, mm-hmm. um, and the integrity of the evidence in it was jeopardized. So do you, keep, the, do you keep digging on that same case with, with uh, men and women that are trying to do I'm not faulting any officers that it's fallen into the la- their laps now, but they obviously know there are issues in this case, and they're expected to take it and try to piece it back together? No, the right thing to do with it is hand it off to another agency that has no bias whatsoever, and a special prosecutor to oversee it. And then uh, whatever comes out of it is what comes out of it. But any biases or or problems then are alleviated. And that's what I have asked. The family has asked, but yet it's not been done. Well, if you look online, you you see a lot of people talking about specific cases that that they feel like have been shoved under the the rug there in Amherst. Uh, It seems like some changes need to take place and um and i i i don't know i know we have an election coming up of course some people are saying oh is jimmy running for sheriff again um but you did that for a long time 
We Janet, talked about that off and, the air. There, there have been a lot of folks that have asked me through the years, and you know, I've been so grateful through the years for my ability to serve my community. Soon it will be public service for over 40 years. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it's tough to see situations like this, but uh, I don't know whether my body and mind could stand that again. <laughs> body, mind, marriage, family. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's a, a lot of pressure in a lot of places. Yeah. Well, if you, uh, if you live in Amherst County, well, regardless of where you live, you better know what's going on in your local law enforcement and your Commonwealth's attorney's office because until this came up, I didn't realize of all those connections. Jimmy Ayers, thank you for joining us this thank morning. Thank you, Janet. We appreciate it, uh, as always. We've got your headlines coming up with CBS. We have your uh, local headlines on the way with WDBJ7 and Kimberly McBroom. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on the Morning Jam. If you would like to weigh in on this situation, you're welcome to give us a call. The number is 866-916-3776. That's the toll-free number, 866-916-3776. And uh, you can also text us at 434-248-0704. We've had several people text in and uh, thank you for bringing this to light. And um, and we just we just hope that, in, is it New Hampshire where the young man is now? Uh, I'm hoping that in New Hampshire... Uh, they're going to keep track of the chain of evidence and get this guy behind bars. I hope so. I hope so as well. All right, we'll be back. Thanks for joining us this morning on The Morning Jam. Currently 34 degrees in Appomattox and Amherst. We have 30 in Salem, 32 in Roanoke, 35 in Danville, 32 in Bedford, 34 in Lynchburg. And I swear, if we don't get some sunshine soon. Do we have any parents of young children, children still at home out there? Yes. Three people in the back. The rest of you are out because you don't have kids. And it's like having two rocks in your shoe for 21 years. I miss the rocks. <laughs> well, one of them. Uh, I miss one of them a lot. Uh, I miss all my rocks, but they are kind of like that. Now I have, I just have different rocks. I just have the dogs. My children accuse me all the time of replacing them with with dogs. And you have. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say. What, you have what, three kids, four dogs. Three kids, four dogs. Yeah, it's true. It is true. And I, I do. They are spoiled, just like my, my children are. But I, I miss all of my children equally, just just so Depends you know. Depends on the day. <laughs> well, now that's true. That is true. Uh, it does depend on the day. Uh, lots of text in weighing in on that interview with uh, Sheriff Ayers. Thank you for that. Um, 
we will have that loaded up to SoundCloud. Some people came in late on the conversation, um, but we'll have that loaded up to SoundCloud, and you'll be able to hear it in its entirety uh, later on this morning if you would like to do that. So gas stoves, they... Uh, they became a part of the culture war in less than a week. I mean, it was amazing to me that we couldn't get the White House to weigh in on the fentanyl crisis at all for years. Uh, we couldn't get them to weigh in on the lack of border security um, at all for years. Inflation? Oh, what inflation? There's no inflation. Things are better than they've ever been in the economy. Now that, but in less than a week, they're releasing a statement about gas stoves, which I just thought was was super interesting. Um, it, it did become a part of of a, a kind of a culture war. People are still arguing about it on social media, and uh, it started at the beginning of January about the health and climate effects of gas cooking stoves. And I think the reason that people got really alarmed is because the minute Biden starts talking about anything impacting the climate, you know, there's like no links he won't go to. Then on January the 9th, Bloomberg News published an interview with the commissioner on the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, who suggested that the government might consider stricter regulations of new gas stoves in response to health concerns about indoor air quality. Within days, those stoves have become fodder for partisan influencers and campaign merchandise. Jim Jordan (laughs) put on Twitter, God's guns, gas stoves. Ron DeSantis political organization quickly came out with aprons for sale in uh, the style of the icon once of the tea party but with a gas stove there was rattlesnake uh, there was a gas stove for the rattlesnake usually sits Um, Sean Hannity says not only is Biden coming for your paycheck he's coming for your stove the White House is attempting to ban all gas ovens and burners Um, each of the declarations uh, they, they did come out and say, we're not coming for your gas stoves. So the American Public Health Association did say that gas stoves are a public health concern. And this has already been going on in, in some places. Like when, when you get your, your gas logs and things, they're like, oh, you can't have these in California, that type thing. Um, so we've already had some of that going on in, in some areas. What I found so funny was a lot of the people who were highly critical of them were the very ones cooking on them. They had pictures of them cooking on them. You had a picture of Joe Biden sitting in front of gas logs. It's pretty amusing. We're going to go to the callers now. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Hi. Hello, Janet. How are you? I'm good, Miss Ruth Ann. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. This is... That interview you just had was fantastic. Aw, well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it because, you know what, I think some of the bad policemen and the criminals have in common is they don't want to tell on each other. Mm. It certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Now, I really called in to talk about the gas stove, not that much, but... You know where I live. You've been here. Mm-hmm. I have a gas station. Yeah. And I this building was built in 1974. Now, I am not supposed to be around gas stoves, you know, asthmatic and all that stuff. Right. 
And um, I asked the people here, may I have electric stove? Mm-hmm. Now, I have nothing against cooking on the gas stove. It's what it may do to me. Now, in order because for you're me sensitive. to get it, I, yeah. Yes, I had to get my doctor to write a prescription, sign papers in order for me to get a gas stove. I wow. mean, a, a, a stove. Okay. Have they done that? And I'm getting, yeah, I did everything. My doctor signed the papers, and he also asked me, have you gotten it yet? I said, no, but I got the letter that says that I will be getting it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that, so, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. But I do love the uh, electric stoves, but some things you can't have that you love. You mean the gas stoves? So I'm enjoying every bit of the day. It is wonderful. I can't get over that interview. I, I give it a 10. Aw. Well, you're very sweet, yeah. but you're a little biased. So. Well, what? <laughs> I, I can be honest about it. That's like my Ask mama saying that. <laughs> yes, I am. Everybody have a great day. I've been out. It's nice and crispy. I took my dog for a ride. Yesterday, my bike stopped on me, my, my scooter. Oh, yeah. I had to push it. Yeah, I pushed it home. Oh, and Pooh Bear was really nice on the on the seat. He says, "Woman, (laughs) (laughs) you know the program. Push this thing to get me home." Oh Lord, (laughs) rotten, so rotten. I pushed a block and a half home. Uh, That's great. That's great. Well, thanks for calling in this morning. I I appreciate you. All right, bye bye. So, um, she likes cooking on a gas stove, but it's not um, healthy for her because she does have issues where it's it's not healthy. I will I will say, I absolutely love cooking on gas. I, I just do and would be very upset not to have it. Back to the phones this morning. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Jenny, it's salty. Hey, salty. Oh, what the hell's going on? I, I missed a few news breaks, and, and they're taking my gas stove away. No, well, no they're, well, it's just become fodder for a lot of arguing online. Well, I'm on fodder. I'm on fodder for this. Uh, <laughs> you come take my gas stove. Next thing you know, they're going to take my hot water heater. It runs on gas, too. Uh, Jenny, what are they going to do? Am I going to be taking cold showers now? Uh, well, I don't know. If they have their way, they're they're going to take your uh, your your gas water heater and your gas oven and your gas grill. I mean... They might have to take him. He's full of gas, too. Sometimes. Well, <laughs> Only on occasion. You know what really... You know what really gets my button pushing, Janet? Is, is this... They, they always accuse the Republicans of getting in your bedroom and they're coming to do this and they're going to take away that and here they are uh, talking about our gas stove now uh, i just so excited i don't think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna take your your gas i think he did howl either that or it was his uh maybe it was his hound dog i'm not really sure okay well no that was me uh but I, I, well, I'm half excited because I got to tag. I got to tag on the end of Ruth Ann. It's almost like being with Ruth Ann. Well, she had to get rid of her gas stove. She loves it, but she couldn't keep it, so she had to get rid of it. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. But you're okay, well, dear. Just, you're all right. You can keep your gas stove. 
Well, for now. For now. For now, yes. I'm all right. I swear, Janet, they're coming to get us. They're just, oh, I don't even know what Salty's avatar is going to look like because we're going to be just a bunch of dumb, oh, I almost cussed right there. Don't uh, do it. A bunch of dumb avatars running around. We ain't going to live a real life. They're going to keep us confined to our house. They're talking about another lockdown. Uh, I'm... I may have to come up and join you in Amherst County, Janet. Well, well, come on. Come on and join the compound, my friend. That could friend. be very dangerous. Join the Janet. compound. I'll give him a job. He'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks well, for I calling love, in I love this you morning, guys. my darling. And, uh, well, speaking of, of gas stove, what's in the kitchen? Oh, I just set you up for the five and dime. You did. Thank you for that. Good job, Salty. Thanks for calling. Love you. Love you back. I like Trey. Love you, and I like Trey. Thanks, man. Nice. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. That was a great setup. Looking for an amazing dinner idea? Check out my Five and Dine on Facebook. It's brought to you by FNL Market, 2517 Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg. Now, if you love crab cakes, but you can't afford to make crab cakes right now, boy, do I have a recipe for you. This is a cake that's made with chicken, and it even has a roumelade sauce, and it might just trick your brain into thinking you're eating a crab cake. You're going to start with your stovetop pan heat two tablespoons of olive oil add your diced peppers green onions to the pan season them with salt and pepper to taste saute it until it starts to brown adding your minced garlic cooking it for one minute then remove from the heat to allow it to cool a little bit then in a mixing bowl you're going to add your uh, three cups of cooked chicken your lemon juice your dijon your mayonnaise garlic, tarragon, chopped parsley, some Old Bay seasoning, and some panko breadcrumbs. Then you're going to mix in those sautéed vegetables, making sure that the chicken is thoroughly blended with the other ingredients, and then you're going to add a beaten egg and mix it well. Then you're going to put in the remaining panko breadcrumbs onto a plate, and then you're going to make your uh, chicken patties, coat them with the breadcrumbs using additional crumbs as needed, flatten them to your desired thickness, and making sure everything is coated on all sides. Then put them in a single layer on some parchment paper and chill them for about 30 minutes. After that, you're going to sear those up in your pan just like you would crab cakes and make up a romalade sauce that I've given you the recipe for. And it's going to be just like you're eating a crab cake, only tons more affordable. Check out the recipe by going to Janet's Five and Dine on Facebook. Join the group. See the entries every weekday. Brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam. immediate response is going to confuse him because I'm going to think Disney. It's going to come out in a Disney phrasing. So this guy walks in my hood. I'm like, hey fam, I suggest you get out of my hood right now where I promise you I'm going to knock that glass slip off your foot. You ain't going to never make it to the ball. We're like, oh. <laughs> like what'd you say? I'm like, you heard me street rat. Keep talking. I'm going to rub your lamp. You ain't going to like my three wishes because I'm a beauty, but you turned me into a beast. And me and my space rangers are about to knock you to infinity and beyond. If you think somebody's worried about you, you've got another thing coming. Akuna Matata. And they're like. <laughs> now, see, that's a way that's, to deal. It was called Growing Up by Disneyland. 
<laughs> ah, okay. So he automatically just thinks Disney. Exactly. With everything. That seems like a good way to diffuse situations, I think. You'd have to be pretty quick, though, to get that one going, for sure. Um, hey, we have an update on a Covington man. Apparently, uh, he was sentenced yesterday for destroying media equipment and other illegal conduct during the January 6th Capitol incident. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office said that Joshua Dillon Haynes, 40, um, his actions and the actions of others disrupted a joint session of the U.S. Congress convened to count the electoral votes related to the 2020 presidential election. He was sentenced to 32 months in prison. He did plead guilty in October of 22 in the District of Columbia to obstruction of an official proceeding and destruction of property. In addition to prison time, the U.S. District Court has ordered restitution to be determined at a future date and 36 months of supervised release. According to court documents, at about 2.30, Haynes was illegally on restricted grounds and was part of the uh, group that gathered at the lower west terrace of the Capitol outside the rotunda doors is what they're saying so that was a Covington man that was sentenced yesterday this this thing has just been going on and on forever it feels like so uh, sometimes there are dress codes when you go into certain places certainly the minimal would be you know, shirts and shoes. No shirts, no shoes, no service. Right. Uh, sometimes there are age restrictions, like you have to be at least 21 to, to get into a bar and things like that. Uh, and yes, requiring young people to have their parents with them at a movie theater or a, a county fair, not unheard of. But a fast food franchise in Western Australia may have taken things, you know, a, a, a little too far um at hungry jacks there a sign reads attention due to recent incidents any guest under 17 will not be served without guardian supervision the reports say the dining spot drew attention but not in a good way the comments about the sign went viral on social media one person suggesting banning red shoes or young people uh, needing their mother to buy a burger. Another mentioned needing an ID to buy a Whopper. A third, perhaps sarcastically, seemed in favor of the rule by being able to buy a burger without being terrorized by children and teenagers. The paper quoted someone who said the restaurant staff may have been harassed by teens. Uh, reading between the lines, the sign said those under 17 won't be served. It doesn't say they can't enter. Uh, they won't be giving it another try. A hundred jack spokesperson reportedly said the sign has been removed. That's one of those things that it seemed like a good idea at the time, but yeah, really probably not so much because it backfired a little bit on them. Uh, police are now warning in New York that, um, there are some highly addictive substances circulating in the area. They took to social media. The Oneida City Police Department says the substances are often distributed by 
strong, smart, fearless young woman. Uh, they will get you hooked, they said. Uh, they say the street names for the substances are uh, include the names Thin Mints, Samoas, Tagalongs, uh, Lemon Ups, and they want the community to know that they're here for you. They have a drop-off location for Girl Scout cookies at the city police department. <laughs> so there you go. That was that was fun. They said uh, they have a drop-off location. The officers can dispose of them safely for you. Somebody's dad is working at the police department, I'm thinking, to get them that kind of coverage. I don't know anybody who sells Girl Scout cookies anymore. I don't either. I used to have little Ella. She lived across the, the road, and she would come, and, and she would knock on my door, and she would say, Miss Janet, my Girl Scout troop is selling um, Girl Scout cookies. Would you like some? And then, of course, you have to buy them. But none of my kids like the same ones. So I had to get a box of the Thin Mints, and then I had to get a box of the peanut butter, whatever those were. And then I tried not to get the lemonades because those are the ones I'm addicted to, and it's just not safe to have those around the house. So what's your favorite? Um, what's Sorry. Your, what's your favorite one? Tagalongs. Tagalongs. Or Thin Mints. Which one is the Tagalong? Peanut butter ones. Oh, the one, peanut butter ones. Peanut oh, okay. All right. Um, the Thin Mints, do you put those in the freezer? Absolutely. I'm not I'm, a madman. I'm not an idiot. Of course I do. I do have some culinary skills. He literally looked at me like I had grown a, a third head. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, Bobby has been named the world's oldest dog weeks after an Ohio dog was named the world's oldest living dog. Guinness World Book of Records announced a new record holder pup. Bobby is from Portugal. He is officially the world's oldest living dog and is the oldest dog ever. According to Guinness World Records, Bobby is 30 years old, 267 days. Spike, a chihuahua from Ohio, claimed the record for the world's oldest dog. He was 23 years old. Bobby's much older. And he looks like he's, he's kind of a big dog to have lived that long. That gives me hope for my dogs that maybe they'll live a long time if he can live that long. Have you noticed, did you see Brody yesterday or whatever day that was that he was brought in? Brody has gotten, Brody is as wide as he is long now. He is chunking up. I see green beans in his future. I'm pretty sure. I didn't get my dog to lose weight. How much weight does he need to lose? Well, he had to lose, like, I think he's lost it. He's close to it, I think. Okay. I haven't weighed him in a while. But he doesn't eat the, he doesn't eat the green beans, though. No. Said. He doesn't like that. Okay. We've gotten his food down. That was the big thing. So he slowly got his food down. Now he's, now he's down to eating what he's supposed to and he's not hangry about it it appears no because there's there are some dogs that they get really really i distract him with the tennis ball oh when he gets upset and it's it's starting (laughs) it seems to work i like to eat but i don't like it so much that i won't chase a ball which is also going to help him lose weight too oh very good well guys we will have a lot of you have asked about that jimmy Ayers interview we're going to work to get that up on soundcloud sooner rather than later so hopefully by the middle of the day we'll have that up and going uh for you and you can share it or do whatever it is like listen to it maybe you didn't catch all of it uh so we'll have that coming up for you hope you have a fantastic weekend and enjoy the time with your family and your loved ones and we will see you monday morning here on the morning jam thanks for joining us
You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville.